It's kind of like a silencer of, of your insecurities sometimes, isn't it? Terrifying. Like I was, and, and quite exhausting because you, you're in a state of constant vulnerability. And we all have insecurities. And yeah. They come out at the, the worst times, but as we learn about them, we just keep moving. The reason I love it is because I love working with people who compliment my lacking. So when, you know, they, mm. I, I feel like I can make a very, very basic demo on Pro Tools, but I certainly am not a gun producer. And so yeah. I love to work with people who are and they'll bring that to the table and we'll build up a track as we as we write. It should definitely be when your gut is telling you this just isn't me. You know, you have yeah. to have the guts to, to stand up in that moment and say, look, you know, this that idea is great and it probably would suit another artist really well, but it's just not something I would see. Welcome to Songwriter Trysts. This is an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I love talking to other artists about the power of songwriting and their journey to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions. All the great things that build an amazing song. Please support the podcast by subscribing and you can buy us a coffee on the website songwritertrists.com. My name's Imogen Clark and I come from Western Sydney. So I grew up in a town called the Hawkesbury and that was kind of where I started figuring out that I loved music and a lot of that was because my father is a songwriter and a great musician. Okay. So I just grew up with that, you know, surrounding me, a lot of instruments in the house and I'd go and watch my dad's gigs and he played in a Led Zeppelin cover band, so I was in the pub oh. watching him play, you know, at a very young age with my mum. It was very much a part of my upbringing and I'm lucky in that sense because I didn't need to find it on my own. It kind of found me without too much effort, so I, I feel yeah. very grateful for that. I started by sort of playing cover gigs around Western Sydney where I grew up and I would be, you know, playing in pubs and clubs and, and cafes and things like that and you know just mm. on the weekends and that was how I earned my pocket money in school you know it was my <laughs> my version of a you would have been one of the richest kids or, I reckon <laughs> ah, yeah well you know what it actually was amazing because I I did feel like I was earning so much more than just your average kind of working at Macca's or working at a cafe or whatever I felt like I was earning great money and I really was for someone of my age so I felt really yeah. really grateful for that I would put aside that money and save it for my own originals career. Eventually, I started writing songs and realised that that those those gigs were harder to get, and and generally it was it was more of an investment, and you had to sort of spend yeah. money to make recordings and to be able to kind of tour your music. You needed a certain amount of investment, so I would save my money from my covers gigs and I would spend it on my originals. And eventually, the covers gig, cover gigs kind of fell away a bit, and the original stuff took hold and. Yeah, and that sort of brings me to today. I've, I've been, um, I kind of took a gap year after school when I finished mm -hmm. high school and, and that gap year turned into 10, 10 gap years. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what, what was on. it going to be a gap year from? Were you going to go to university to study something? considering it I mean I went to an academic selective high school so it was very um they were they were supportive of music certainly but they were very focused on academia as well and so mm. I I really did think I was going to go to university and I, I had a few 
thoughts about what I might study. There was times when I wanted to study communications and, and sort of PR. There were times I wanted to study law even and, and vet wow. science and different things that I had on my radar. But I just realised that while I was young, I wanted to really give music my all and and sort of focus on on trying to make this dream happen and that I would have plenty of time to go to uni later if I decided I wanted to. And so far, it just—it's uh, just music has keeping me kept me, sorry, very busy. And it's yeah, it's been wonderful. So my my gap year turned into ten, <laughs> which is <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> wow! So what what a journey, and to to have that sort of upbringing with a parent who's supportive, even when the school was your parents like were they keen? They understood the music industry, and they were like, yeah, no, we believe in you, and this is a great choice. Or yeah, were they yeah, concerned? absolutely. They, no, they were supportive. They were very supportive, and and again, so lucky. And that's it. That's a privilege. I feel I totally understand is not necessarily common, or or you know, not everyone is afforded that privilege. And so mm. I feel really grateful because not only was my father in in music and so very supportive of of me, um, you know, trying my hand at this career, but my mother, who is is not you know not in music at all, but she was also very supportive of of that dream and and if really if it hadn't been for my mum and dad there's no way I would have been able to do any of this or I definitely wouldn't be where I am now just because you know you really need especially when you start out as a kid you need parents that are going to care about that stuff and help you with it you know I couldn't drive myself mm-hmm. to gigs until I got my license and I wasn't even allowed in a lot of these venues until I was 18 so my parents would you know because I, I started doing this when I was 12 and so my parents would drive wow. me around and you know they'd be sitting with me yeah. in the pub because I wasn't allowed in there by myself and they'd lend me money so that I could buy a PA system and uh, all that yeah. sort of stuff that if you didn't have supportive parents it just would have been so difficult yeah, and you still you still need the drive, but yeah, like not having to argue that sort of that age old argument of music is a job with your yes. parents is is a blessing because that that's probably the hardest argument to have. And I know I I didn't have the courage to have it. I just took it as up. Oh, it's not a job, so I'll yeah. go be a doctor. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the thing. It's so common, and you get that enough from the rest of society telling you yeah. music isn't isn't really a job. You really don't want to also have to argue that with your parents. And I I just feel so lucky in that respect. You can't, you know, you don't choose whose family you're born into. And I I really feel so grateful that mine were, you know, happened to be as good as they are. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. I think that's beautiful, and it is. It is up to us musicians who are making money or doing it as a career as well to be able to tell that to kids. Like I went to an expo yesterday, which was just about that. It was like a careers expo for teenagers. Wow! And to be able to get up in on a, in front of all these high school kids with a microphone and say, "Hey guys, I'm a full time professional artist, and this yes. is how I make my living from music and arts." If you have questions around that come and speak to me, to be able to say that to Fantastic. a group of kids that I know probably everyone else is telling them that's not a thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. It's funny you should mention that as well because I also do some work on the side for a brilliant, brilliant company called Talent Development Project. They work with oh, young yeah. artists, New South Wales state school students who go to public schools here and they talk to them about, you know, making music a career and how you can do that. And they're really a wonderful, you know, company. I do some work as a consultant for them because I went through the the 
program myself when I was in high school. So, you know, I, and I just, I've just come off two full days working for them at a, at a great workshop with all these nice. incredibly talented kids, you know, between 15 and 18 years old. And you just think the future of Australian music is in great hands, but it's wonderful for these kids to have people say, you know, well, you know what, even though we're not, even though we can't all be as successful and famous and, and rich as an artist at the top tier like Taylor Swift, we, there are a yeah. lot of careers to be had in this area yeah. that you might not be learning about in your everyday life or at your school. So I love yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to be Taylor Swift to be successful or, or make a living doing what you love. And that's it's a lifestyle that we choose to create for ourselves. That Absolutely. Yeah, it's not necessarily taught, but I love that. And Sydney from my perspective, does have a reputation for really supporting the arts. And it's a bit of a hub for a lot of the industry as well in Australia anyway. And so I, I feel like that's great that being in Sydney or in the close sort of surrounding areas that, that that's there. I would love to be able to see that type of education and support, you know, rural, which is like where I grew up, like really outside of any major city where sometimes creative kids in those settings struggle because <laughs> yeah, I know I absolutely. Did. you feel like a, a fish out of water well but, there's so uh, few opportunities in smaller towns as well and I understand that yeah. completely I was lucky that my small town was at least you know an hour and a half out of Sydney is so very doable yeah. even though it was a small town but I, I definitely understand you know and, and that's the that's the situation with this talent development project is that they come these children come from all over the state some of them come from lightning ridge and you know the middle of absolute nowhere and it's great for them to get an opportunity like that so yes I understand that feeling of you know growing up (laughs) in a small town and sort of going well what is there here to really I can't really flourish in this town yeah it's hard being creative in general but being creative and isolated is, yes. is a whole nother ball game. I know how you got started and I know that you wanted to give it a go. How did your one year turn into 10 years gap? Like what, <laughs> you know, you had that drive obviously to get into it and you, you worked hard and saved your money to, to do the original thing. What was the turning point for you that made you go, this is, this is it. I'm just, this is my life now. Well, I think, you know, in that first year out of high school, it was the first, because all the way through school, I'd been able to do these things kind of sparingly because obviously I was at school all week and and then I'd on the weekend, Mm. I'd play some gigs and then I'd go back to school. So it was more, it was obviously uh, by necessity, something that was more on the side. Whereas the first year I had out of school where I was completely free to devise my own work schedule and devise my own um, plan for how I was going to to do what I wanted to do, that yeah. was a freedom that I absolutely adored. And, and because I feel like I'm quite good at self-discipline, I didn't just sort of sit around going to parties and I wasn't actually ever really a <laughs> much of a party animal or, or much of a drinker or anything. So I actually yeah. didn't really do that whole thing of, you know, the uni lifestyle or the straight out of school, just kind of partying until you get sick of it. I just kind of worked, went straight into the world of touring. So the first yeah. tour I went on was just out of school and I went up and down the east coast of Australia with my friend Joe Mungovan and who's still at, you know, working in the industry, amazing artist from the south coast. And um, we, you know, we just went on this tour that we completely organised ourselves, no record labels, no agent, no, no yeah. managers. Um, and it was, you know, just out the back of the car and, you know, just kind of uh, checking into dodgy motels. And I think that was really <laughs> the moment where I realised, even though we were by far, you know, we were far from travelling in luxury or anything like that, we were really enjoying 
just this feeling of being able to call our own shots for the first time and being able to sort of have the complete freedom to work as hard as we wanted towards music. And Joe was in a similar position to me just out of school. And so we just, I just sort of felt at that time, this is what I want to do. You know, I, I have the drive for it. I have the work ethic for it. And I really just want to spend all my time on this. And I know if I go to uni, I'll naturally get distracted and want to give uni my all, but I, it'll take away from the time and the effort I have to do this, this music stuff. So I just realized, you know, as long as I made a deal to myself that as long as things were progressing and not feeling like they were plateauing or not, certainly not feeling like they were going backwards, I would put off uni while I felt that every year was getting a little bit more developed from the last year, I would put uni off. Right. So as long as you're seeing growth and you felt like yeah. you were heading in the right direction, which is absolutely in the music industry. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. good. That's good. I know. I love that. And I, it's, I think it is a gift to have a bit of a sense of who you are, which would have obviously come from your supportive family and, and the environment you grew up in. But to know that that's the lifestyle you want and also not be distracted by, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But at the same time, I also was not attracted to it, that whole the party scene of like yeah. all of a sudden you're a young adult and you turn 18, it's your chance and opportunity to go and get drunk. And, you yeah. Know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I ever understood that time of life. And yet sometimes now I'm like 10 years later, I'm like, oh, like did I miss out on <laughs> Yes, anything? I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> Should it's I have been more irresponsible? <laughs> I totally understand that because I think we feel, in a way, when you don't go to university, I, I feel like university is a bit of a, uh, sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a, an extension of, of school. And I don't mean that to, de- to, demean, to diminish how great it can be for so many people in their chosen career mm. paths. I just, I just think that sometimes it, it can sort of feel like you're still contained in a bit of a, you're still being told like exactly when things are going to happen and when, when you need assignments in by and when this is going to happen. And there's a bit of a structure for your life. Whereas, and I think so, sometimes that can cause people to sort of go, oh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just in school, but with some more adult freedoms and I can go out and get drunk yeah. with my friends. And there's a real party atmosphere at uni, which is great. And so many of my friends went that route and absolutely loved it. And that's yeah. awesome. It that sort of worked for them. But because I was I just kind of felt like I would be studying something for the sake of studying it rather than actually because I wanted to make a career out of it. And then I'd be, you know, around this party atmosphere that was never necessarily my bag. Like I love, you know, don't get me wrong, I love to have some wine and like I love to sort of let loose a bit with friends when it, when the time is right. But really what I was excited for wasn't the being an adult and being able to go to pubs. Suddenly <laughs> it was more just like I'd already been in pubs for most of my life and I just kind yeah. of felt like the opportunity was that what was exciting for me about leaving school was not the drinking and the being an adult. It was being able to structure my own life and and go after the career that I wanted. Awesome. And now that you're, you know, you're doing it, do you do much co-writing or collaboration with other artists and, and what is your sort of structure as an independent artist? Yeah, I love both. So I love writing by myself. That's how I started and I'll always love to do that at certain times, but I definitely have gotten more and more as the years have gone on more progressively into collaboration. I love it. I I had real trouble with it at first Mm -hmm. as someone that started out writing quite folky 
quiet, introspective songs as a teenager and then I suddenly had to sit in, in rooms with people I sometimes didn't know and, and tell them everything about my life and it was got really, <laughs> you know, frightening. But yeah. as the, you know, years have gone on, I absolutely adore it now and I feel so much more comfortable uh, doing it. And I think, you know, the reason I love it is because I love working with people who compliment my lacking. So when, you know, they, mm. I, I feel like I can make a very, very basic demo on Pro Tools, but I certainly am not a gun producer. And so yeah. I love to work with people who are and they'll bring that to the table and we'll build up a track as we as we write. And I can. It, it's like a way of hearing the almost finished product while you're at the very beginning. It's a real... I find that really liberating and really creatively inspiring. And so I love those sorts of collaborations. And I love the sorts of collaborations where you sit around two people with a guitar or a piano and just kind of talk through because people will always come up with a different way of saying something than the way you would say it. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's worse or better, but it's just opening your mind to new you know, to new possibilities. And I love that as well. So I love to try all different kinds of writing really. Yeah. And has there been sort of over the years of, you know, developing from obviously writing on your own to then being uncomfortable and then getting better, has there been something that you would say has been like the biggest aha moment or piece of advice that you would give people getting into songwriting with other people? Definitely. I mean, I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever received was that everybody is on the same team, meaning like sometimes you, I feel like you get a bit nervous in these sessions, especially when I was younger. And it can be easy to feel, it can it can be very easy to start feeling like that person is is challenging everything you're saying or they're, you know, or they mm-hmm. don't like you or they, they think your mm-hmm. ideas are terrible. And that's often just your own insecurity speaking. It certainly was for me. And I, yeah. I think the best, yeah, the best advice I got was that everyone is on the same team. Everyone's goal in that room is exactly the same and that is to make the song the best song it can be. So if someone's suggesting something that is contrary to what you're suggesting, it's probably just because that they are trying to get to this, you know, pinnacle of what can this song be? What, how good can we make this song? And so, it, you know, it's, it's not about whose ideas are better. It's just everyone is trying to, you know, to, to do the exact same task and make the song the best it can be. So that kind of helps yep. me whenever I'm feeling a bit nervous, like, oh, this person thinks I'm stupid. They think my ideas are <laughs> stupid. I'll always tell that to myself and just sort of say, no, we're all on the same team here. We're all trying to do the same thing and, and I've got to leave my ego at the door. I love that. And and we all have insecurities. And yeah. they come out at the, the worst times, but as we learn about them, we just keep moving. But yeah, I totally agree. That's good advice, especially starting out. I think I used yeah. to think that like everyone else in the room was smarter than me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I would just like anything they said is like, okay, yep, just do what you do. And that would, probably was just the insecurity of like, you know, I don't have a music degree, blah, blah, blah. I'm not an engineer. Oh like, gosh, I know that feeling know, so well. Yeah. And it's frustrating yes. though as well because then if you don't speak up for yourself or speak up for what you like or don't like, then at the end product it's like doesn't end up being that connected. Well, that's what I found is it that's wasn't right. as connected to me as exactly. it would have been if I had have said something. And it's, it that's is hard. Right. It's so hard, especially when you're in a room with someone who's been doing it for 30, 40 years and you're like, oh, ah. <laughs> It's absolutely terrifying and, you know, and especially like I've, I've done writing trips over to the US and when I'd barely done any co-writing and I think I was like 20 or something and I my label at the time sent me over there and, and it was just like an absolute baptism of fire. Like I had no idea. What, I'd written, I'd maybe co-written two songs before and then suddenly I was co-writing with different people I did not, I'd never met any of them 
every single day for about a month in LA and Nashville. And it was terrifying. Like I was, and and quite exhausting because you're in a state of constant vulnerability. Mm. But I remember just feeling like I would often walk away from those sessions with songs I actually didn't didn't love because I was too green to really know how to stand up for my ideas. And I say that, you know, that's kind of in contrast to what I just said about about everyone wanting the same thing. That's not to say that, that, you know, that that just because someone else has an idea, that naturally means that their idea is is better than yours. You know, I think you should definitely Mm. stand up for what you believe in and what you just said is such a great point. It should definitely be when your gut is telling you this just isn't me you know, you have yeah. to have the guts to to stand up in that moment and say, look, you know, this that idea is great and it probably would suit another artist really well, but it's just not something I would sing or it's it's not something I would record or perform. Yeah. And, I, you know, that's it's so intimidating that's a great to, way to say put it. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's really intimidating, but you, you just have yeah. to, otherwise it's a whole waste of a day, you know. It is, and that you're wasting everyone's time if you don't, but it is, it's hard. I don't know about you, but like I tend to avoid conflict and. um, Yes, me too. (laughs) And I've had to learn to fight for my art and set boundaries. And, and like you, I think the way you just described it is a really politically, you know, correct way of going about it. It's it's a bad one. It's just not for me. And sometimes you don't know why, like it's a gut feeling and a gut feeling is not always logical. (laughs) In fact, it's never logical. That's right. You've got to follow yeah. it. Your body always knows the truth, I reckon. That's something that's that I've right. learned Especially anyway. with create, Yeah, absolutely right. Especially with creative endeavours. Like there's generally no particular uh, tangible reason, you know, explainable reason <laughs> why it's wrong. It's just it just doesn't feel right to you. And that's, and you know, really uh, you have the power as the artist in that scenario. Even if the other person's been doing it for 30 years, it's good to to flip the narrative in your own mind and go, no, hang on, I have the power. I am actually the artist we are writing for. If we've discussed beforehand mm. that we're writing for me as an artist and they're, they're maybe they haven't done their research on you or they're suggesting an idea that's completely outside of your genre or your wheelhouse, that yeah. really is not your problem. That's not your fault. And that's something that really it's completely fair to stand up and say, well, well, thank you for the contribution, but I, it's just not me. And if I'm the artist here, I have the power to say that. So it's yeah. hard to feel that way, especially if you, you know, really young and um, everyone yeah. else is older than you. Like that's easier said than done. I totally understand. But yeah, it's good to to practice those things early, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and setting boundaries, not just in songwriting, but in life is is something that we learn. Absolutely. <laughs> and if we don't learn it from our parents, it's not going to be learned at school. And so we just have yep. to learn it in, in the game of life and that's fine. Yes. What over the years of, you know, doing what you've been doing, traveling, music, live performing, touring, what would you say the biggest advice you could give to someone who's just starting out? Maybe they're thinking about following in your footsteps as far as they've left high school. Should I go to university? Should I take a year that might turn into 10 years gap year? <laughs> what do you think that you would you wish you had have known then yeah. that you know now? That's a, good, that's a really good question. I think something that's always been really important to me is is just this idea of work ethic. I think a lot of people, especially in this age of, you know, I don't mean to sound like the oldest person ever, but like, especially (laughs) in this age of like TikTok and that there's a lot of great tools that weren't available at the start of my career, which is Mm. wonderful. And those tools can be used in such a great way. But I do think there's a misleading sort of undercurrent there that, that there's an instant 
gratification or an instant success and overnight success with these apps like TikTok where, you know, someone might might get really lucky and, and go viral with a song in a TikTok and then suddenly that song is is doing amazingly well. And that is fantastic, but I think that is really misleading and it's not any mm. it's it's more the exception and not the rule within the industry. You're way yep. more likely to be working and slogging it out for 10 years to become an overnight <laughs> success. And that's, I think that's really important for people to remember if they're starting out now is that mm. you just have to expect that it's going to be a long road most of the time. It's going to be hard. And yep. someone once said to me, um, you know, you have to be whatever it is you're doing, whether it's music or something else, you have to be the first person up in the morning and the last person awake at night honing your craft and and really putting in that work ethic that others might even kind of turn their nose up at, at and think is ridiculous. And and that's not to say yeah. it should be at the, at the detriment of your own health. Obviously, it's important to look after ourselves. But I think mm. you just have to be willing to have that mindset of, of really hard work and just doing, you know, doing as much as you can and honing your craft and playing as many shows, you know, just with the knowledge that this stuff doesn't happen overnight and it could be 10, 15, 20 years even before you start mm. to see returns on that hard work. <laughs> so I think that's I kind of that. the most important thing. I think Tony Robbins is the one that says most of us overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate what we can do in five you know great. like <laughs> yeah I um, like that I think that's more true in, in the music industry than any other but there, there are so many it's like in the music industry you're emerging until you've, you're successful and yes. you could be an emerging <laughs> artist in the music industry for 10 years <laughs> absolutely and then that's become so an overnight great. success <laughs> That's exactly right. Like all of the people I've known who have who have really gone gangbusters in the last few years or, you know, they've really yeah. done amazing things in music, you know, they've been doing it for so long, you know, since they were kids <laughs> yeah. even. And you think, well, just because they're suddenly on everybody else's radar doesn't mean they only just started, you know, a lot of the time they've exactly. just been slogging at it for so many years and that's great because it also makes you appreciate it more when you've worked really, really hard and long and hard for something. Mm. I've also talked to a lot of people on this podcast and there have been a few people who have had big hits on TikTok, which is great. Yeah. Those people have also said that, you know, that it's it, it, it's instant momentum, but it's kind of easy come, easy go, you know, yes. and, and as fast as you can have all the success, if you don't have something just as successful to kind of follow it up, you can lose Absolutely. that momentum real quick. And it's, it's almost to the detriment of their career because it, you know, yeah, it creates this false sense of, like you said, success. That yeah, that's so as much true. as it's great. Yeah, it, you have to have <laughs> something to back it up. There needs to be a foundation. Yeah. Like it's the same way. I think of TikTok a little bit as like the modern version of, or the newer version of those uh, like singing shows on TV, which is like mm. you see people on there and they'll, you know, they'll have, they might have like a wonderful, you know few weeks or few months of of being at the top of the charts and being really successful and having a lot of social media interaction and all that sort of stuff but if they haven't worked really hard to build it's like a you know a pyramid like it, they suddenly are injected at the top of the pyramid that's wonderful but how mm. long can it last without a whole basis underneath it a foundation yeah. that you've built up for years and years you know you, you, in order to I mean, you know, I've, I've, I can't think of, uh, it's been like 15 years that I've been doing music professionally and uh, like I'll, I still, ha you know, I go out to regional towns in Australia and 
I really have to build up, <clears throat> excuse me, build up audiences there yeah. and yeah. and work on, you know, you, you might be playing shows to very few people until you can actually build an audience. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so I think sometimes when people get the idea that they can just sort of cut cut corners a little bit and it just very rarely is, you know, results in longevity in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And and again, that is a, a common story. We've had a lot of ex-voice and idol and all that sort of stuff on the show. And yeah, they've all said the same thing. It's like, it's just a launch pad, but if you haven't got something else to, to help keep that going. Yes, yes absolutely. Um, it can be a wasted opportunity and that can be a really hard lesson to learn, but it's still yes. just a lesson. Everything in life is a lesson that we can choose to grow from. So that's absolutely. beautiful. Yeah. Is, there are some inspirations that we could talk to. I like to usually ask the question, like, if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, amazing. Look, I think, I think I'd probably have to say Taylor Swift. She's probably my biggest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the big, the big dream for me. I mean, she's, she's just a total uh, powerhouse and she's been a huge presence in my life. I feel like I've grown up with her, you know, based yeah. on her song. She's a little bit older than me but I feel like I've kind of um grown up alongside her music and and I found her music at a really important time it kind of came into my life around the fearless era where I was maybe in year nine at school and and just starting to write my own songs rather than just singing covers and so I I felt like she was a huge uh, hugely important person and remains to this day I remain a huge fan and her music is so so um influential to me so i'd absolutely love one day that's that's the top of my list (laughs) to collaborate with her to tour with her or to or to you know write a song with her i love that and she must be tough being probably the most desired person from all people (laughs) absolutely that's right yeah (laughs) But she's definitely been a major influence and someone who comes up a lot in the podcast, not just for her work ethic, but also, yeah, her songwriting and everything that she's done from such a young age and the support she's had around her. So that's that's always a good one to pick. So now as far as like what you're doing, you've had a new single come out, you've got a tour plan. Tell us about what's going on for you and what's coming up. Yeah, thanks. I did just uh, recently release a new single called Nonchalant and I'm really happy with it. It's it's kind of... um, it, it, it's really exciting to put this song out actually because it was I wrote it with Sam Fay and Demi Louise who are two friends of mine and great writers from Melbourne and it was just really wonderful to to have this song come out in the world because it feels very uh, much in the exact direction of where I want to go with my music mm. so I love the fact that um, you know it just feels like a perfect um, perfect time to be releasing it I've got another one in the can actually another single that's coming out later this year, which I'm really looking forward to. I've just been on a tour um, called 100 Shows in 100 Days, which was insane, just as ridiculous (laughs) as it sounds, actually. And um, lots of of little shows. Oh, great. Thank you. Really wonderful. Lots of shows, you know, different kinds of shows. Some of them were uh, more sort of, some of them were festivals. Some of them were headline shows, support shows, little pop-ups, little live streams, all that sort of stuff. So, Right. The uh, the plan was to get back into it in the biggest way possible considering <laughs> we've had three or two years, sorry, of, of uh, yeah. craziness with COVID. So uh, finally, you know, got to become, got to get back to what I love doing the most. Awesome. And how did you adjust during COVID as a musician? Look, I won't sugarcoat it. It wasn't great for me. I did not feel like I was the sort of 
artist that suddenly uh, just used the time to write heaps. I felt <sighs> completely deflated. I, I I felt like I didn't know how to live my life anymore. I felt like a real outsider in my own body because I'm so used to touring so much. And that's, mm. you know, those scenarios are where I get the most inspiration for songwriting. And so being locked up in my house was not at all conducive to a great writing um, situation for me. So I felt, you know, I did get some writing done towards kind of the end of of the last uh, lockdown that we had in, in at the end of 2021. But yep. I definitely felt not at my peak creatively. I just felt very low from a mental health perspective and, and really just kind of struggled to get through it. I made the most of it, I think, by trying to, you know, get back into some instruments that I hadn't played in a long time. The piano was something I let fall by the wayside a little bit earlier mm. in my life. And so I got back into playing piano and I really enjoyed that because I was preparing for my Joni Mitchell show, which I am okay. sort of performing on and off around my original shows at the moment. So I also taught myself to play the dulcimer based on, you know, around that show. So uh, I did use it for, you know, some productivity and some planning for 2022 that I knew I was, you know, going to, my manager and I really spent time sort of working on our plans. But as far as songwriting, I definitely felt so frustrated with myself because I just wasn't productive. I couldn't, I just felt so, I'm normally quite good at pushing through that lack of inspiration, but I just felt so hamstrung. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us did just because there was so much uncertainty. I mean, the music industry in general isn't not very secure <laughs> yes. industry. You know, that so, so much can get in the way, not Absolutely. just the pandemic. Absolutely. So to have something as big as that, that impacted everyone, but also everyone was so isolated that you couldn't feel connected to others who were also going through the same thing, led to a lot of, I think, mental health, which is good because it, it puts some awareness on it. But did you feel like you could get help or get support through that? Did you feel alone or do you feel like you did feel like everyone else was going through the same thing? I felt kind of, I guess it sort of differed, you know, sometimes I felt like, a bit of unity through the everyone's sort of shared struggles in that way. And sometimes I felt like uh, maybe there was no way out of it. Like it just kind of went on mm. sw swings and roundabout sort of situation. But most of the time, look, I did kind of, I tried to connect with songwriter friends on, on Zoom and FaceTime and I did write some songs with people over, you know, remotely, which was really helpful. And every time I walked away from one of those sessions, I always felt really, really renewed energy, you know, just because I guess it's just one of those things where when you're, when you're doing the thing that you love and the thing that, that gives you purpose in life, you feel really fulfilled. And then when that thing goes away and you're doing it less, you start to question whether you're even good at it at all. You know, it mm. can start to play, your mind plays tricks on you. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? That is the the constant struggle because it, it always plays tricks on us. It always plays tricks yep. on me anyway. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> agree. Except for when I'm playing music, actually. I think yes. the thoughts stop. <laughs> so, yeah. Isn't that great? It's, it's kind of like a silencer of, of your insecurity sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd never really – I just thought about that then. And it's like, actually, yeah, I, I don't think I feel that way when I'm singing. Yep. I think that's why singing – I think everyone should sing, you know, yes. whether you should be a professional singer or not, that's different, but yeah, everyone should get into it sometimes because it's so therapeutic. I agree. Mm. Is there anything else 
that you would like to share before we finish up? And I, I really appreciate what you've shared so far. And oh, no I am going to put all your links into the description of the podcast and there'll be a blog on the website. But the floor is yours. Anything else you'd like to share? Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate the questions you've asked and it's so lovely to chat to you. I don't don't think there's really anything else I want to say except for thank you for, you know, uh, bringing these great conversations with with songwriters to to the world because it's really interesting and they're interesting to listen to and I've had a oh, lovely thanks. time. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for becoming a part of the Songwriters family and sharing your wisdom and experience to, to everyone else who's listening and, and for me as well. I appreciate it and I feel like I learned something from this, thank which you. keeps happening and I think as long as I'm learning I'm going to keep chatting to other people but we're all on our Absolutely. own journey but it's beautiful right. to watch and support each other at the same time. Um, so, so thank true. you. I Hopefully I'll get to see you live next time you're up Queensland way. Give oh, us a thank shout. Thank you. I would love uh, that. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website, songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can hear me. Wish I could